there, it's Scary Parish. It's Wednesday, March 15th. Welcome back to the Island College Basketball Podcast. I got Matt Norlander here with me, and we got a lot to get to, including Indiana's loss in the NIT and what it means for Tom Crean's uh, future. But I want to start with uh, the bracket. You know, when we talked on Sunday night, uh, you and I had both um, looked at the bracket and then uh, typed a bunch of words into a computer to be posted at cbssports.com, and then we decided to get together and, and talk on this podcast. And we just sort of talked through it, like whatever we recognized, we, we, we discussed it, we debated, and so on and so forth for about an hour. But we didn't actually get into the games, like the matchups and um, you know who we think is going to win what games. And so uh, perhaps with the NCAA tournament now technically underway, uh, it is Wednesday afternoon, so we had two games last night, we'll have two more tonight, but then what most people consider to be the actual like launch of the NCAA tournament that comes tomorrow. So I figured, Norlander, if you got a few minutes, we will uh, we'll go through the bracket and figure out uh, how different we are in projecting these teams. You know, start in the East region. It seems like the perfect place to start because it is in the upper left uh, corner of the NCAA tournament bracket, and I think our eyes naturally lead us that way. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. Uh, there is a propensity to look top left and kind of go from there. So I have not seen your – I know your Final Four, and I know that you have UCLA winning, So I, but I haven't seen your pick, so I'll be able to listen uh, and kind of react accordingly. I will – I'll go first. I'll talk to my entire East, and then I'll kind of hand it off to you. Sound good? Yep, go. Okay. I might even I might even change one of my picks on the fly here because I I, I, I don't know. I'm starting to, uh, to second guess. Um, okay, so I've got – all right, Villanova winning, obviously, against Mount St. Mary's. Um, I have Wisconsin over Virginia Tech, and I feel as though here's here's my kind of feeling on these eight nine games. When I always get nervous when there is an eight or a nine that is so overwhelmingly picked that it's going to go the reverse way. And so many people are on Wisconsin here, but Wisconsin should not be an eight seed. I don't really have much hesitation. I'm going to stick with the Badgers there. Virginia Wilmington. I have the Cavs, and I actually don't think it's going to be too, too close. Now, Wilmington's somewhat of a trendy upset pick. If you've got them in your bracket, you can feel confident about that. They've got a really talented coach who honestly might not be there in like three weeks. Um, Three days. Exactly. Kevin Keats is a very hot commodity. Um, And if, you know, a win would only boost his chances, to be honest, um, if they're not already there. I have... Steve Forbes in East Tennessee State beating Florida. I am debating flipping that. Um, that's a talented ETSU team. I, I don't know. I'm just – I think I'm going to stick with ETSU, but there's something that I don't like about it. I can't put my finger on it, but whatever. I'll stick with the Bucks. I do have SMU easily over no matter who they play, uh, Providence or USC. We are obviously recording this before Wednesday night's first four game between the Friars and Trojans. What's interesting about the Friars is – you know, and kind of speaking with a number of coaches, uh, Cooley is getting so much credit for what he's doing with this team because, if I'm being honest, it just they don't have what they had last year. Uh, Rodney Bilk is a good player. Kyron Cartwright is a great distributor. But no one thought this was going to be a tournament team. USC absolutely has more talent. USC should win the game. I do think USC will win the game, but I don't think either team is going to really have much of a chance against an underseeded SMU team. I have Baylor over New Mexico State without much hesitation. Obviously, Baylor's lost the past two years in the first round. New Mexico State's actually pretty good, but I will take the Bears. I don't expect them to get pushed too, too much there. I have South Carolina over Marquette. I'm the only person at CBSSports.com that has the Gamecocks. Beating the Golden Eagles, Marquette has the number one three-point shooting offense in all of college basketball, and I have Duke getting past Troy without any sort of hesitation. I have, I have Villanova over Wisconsin, GP, and Wisconsin feels like a, a 
pick that's like a, a trendy team to beat Nova, that could happen. I don't dis, I don't discount that, but I, I just I'm I'm very much in on Villanova overall, and I wouldn't be surprised if Wisconsin won, but I I don't love their chances, uh, even though they've got you know a halfway decent chance. I've got Virginia moving on to the Sweet 16. Um, so the V versus V matchup there in Madison Square Garden, Nova and Virginia. I have SMU over Baylor. I actually think SMU has more talent in its roster than Baylor. Uh, that is potentially just going to be an awesome game. And I actually think that both fan bases will travel well to Tulsa for that. So give me the ponies. And then I've got Duke um, destroying South Carolina. So I have Nova over Virginia. And then I have Duke over SMU, and almost everyone obviously is going with the one-two here. It's hard for me not to do that, honestly. Like Virginia, yeah, maybe Virginia, if they get to the Sweet 16, does like the reverse Virginia, and they make the Elite Eight in a year where no one thinks that they should, as opposed to years where they've been one and two seeds and have underwhelmed, relatively speaking. Although, obviously, they should have made the Final Four last year, GP. But hard for me not to pick Nova, and hard for me not to pick Duke, given the I think they have the easiest road of any two seed to get to its regional final. And I have Duke in the final four, as I explained on Sunday night. Yeah. Uh, I also have Duke in the final four, so I'll give you the ending before we even get started, but um, I don't have them taking the same course uh, that uh, you have them taking Villanova over 16. That's easy, right? Uh, no sense in discussing that much longer than we already have. Um, I took Virginia tech over Wisconsin. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I like buzz Williams. But I, uh, I, I got. So you hate Greg Gard, is what you're saying? I don't hate Greg Gard. I, uh, but I do like Buzz Williams. And uh, Wisconsin has just been sort of whatever all year long. Doesn't mean that they can't flip it on right now. Um, teams have done that before. Uh, but I, I don't know. Every once in a while, you got to pick a lower seeded team. That seems like a reasonable place to to pick a lower lower seeded team. I took Virginia Tech over uh, Wisconsin. I got Virginia beating Wilmington. I'm with you on this. Um, I think it'll be fun, easy for them. Not easy like, you know, like they'll win by 40. They, they might not score 40. <laughs> Sometimes they don't do that. Uh, but I, I don't think this is going to be like final two minutes and Wilmington's got a chance to win. I think, uh, you know, Virginia took a lot of losses. They went through a bad stretch, but that's still a top 10 Ken Palm team. Um, I, I think they'll win this comfortably. Perhaps that's the best way to say it. I got East Tennessee State over Florida. Um, I'm not going to flip it. You might. I won't. But... Um, that's just me taking a flyer. I mean, they're a double-digit underdog for a reason. Uh, but the truth is Florida, uh, you know, lost a key player, and they're 3-3 three and three, uh, since he went down. They haven't been great lately. I don't think they were ever as good as some of the computers suggested. Um, I do think they were good. I don't think they were ever as good as some of the computers suggested. Um, but they're not as good as their computer ranking right now or their seed right now. Does that mean East Tennessee State can beat them? I don't know. Like, they may not have to be at their best uh, to, to beat ETSU. Uh, but if you're looking for, uh, you know, a, a 13 or lower seed uh, to try to get to the round of 32, I think East Tennessee State makes some sense because uh, they do have high major players. Their roster isn't as good as Florida's roster, but they've got, you know, guys who could play in the SEC. Uh, you know, they've got big, they got a for, you know, former Big Ten player. They've got a TJ Cromer who could play, I think, in any, any league in the country. So give me ETSU. Uh, getting out of the round of 64. I've got SMU, SMU over the winner of Providence USC. I assume that's going to be USC. We'll find that out later tonight. But either way, it doesn't matter to me. I'll take SMU to win its first game. Baylor over New Mexico State. I got Marquette over South Carolina. South Carolina hasn't been very good lately. Um, and and I don't know that Marquette's great, but you know when Marquette starts shooting the ball, they can uh, you know they they, they they can beat you. And so uh, I'll, I'll just again every once in a while I'll take a lower seeded team. That seems like a place to do it. I got Marquette over South Carolina, Duke obviously over Troy. 
I got Duke beating Marquette. I got Baylor over SMU, but that, to me, that's going to be a war. Like, that one could obviously go any way, any way whatsoever. I mean, it could go uh, – there is no outcome that would surprise me, Baylor-SMU. In fact, that's one of the more interesting games to me, uh, per possible games in the round of 32, but I did take Baylor over SMU. I've got Virginia past ETSU, and then I got Villanova over Virginia Tech. So I got Villanova-Virginia in the Sweet 16, and I took Virginia. Okay, look at you getting a little spicy, a little zesty. I like it. Right. Uh, like, listen, Villanova will be favored in the game, but they won't be a big favorite in that game. I bet it'll be like Villanova minus two, minus three. Keep in mind, they played at Villanova earlier this year, and it was a two-point game. And it was a two-point game that Villanova won, but, like, it was a game that I thought Virginia had won. Like, they were up double figures in the second half. Uh, unless they're playing Syracuse, they don't usually blow those types of leads. So uh, I, I thought that Virginia was going to win that game. If you can play Villanova uh, bucket for bucket in, at Villanova, then I don't know why you can't, um, you know, give them trouble or, or even beat them on a neutral court. Although it should be noted that at Madison Square Garden, Villanova is going to have, I would assume, a home court advantage of some sort uh, against whoever they play in the Sweet 16. I think it's going to be Virginia. Um, I think Virginia beats them. That means I think Villanova is going to be the first number one seed uh, to lose in this NCAA tournament. Duke Baylor, I took Duke. I like Baylor a lot. Uh, I like Duke. Um, you know, I'm the guy that was yelling that they should have been a one seed in the NCAA tournament. I'm the guy that's been writing consistently that they're better than you think they are. Uh, more top 25 RPI wins than anybody. Top 50 RPI wins than anybody. Um, I do think they should have been a one seed. I've got them beating Baylor in the Sweet 16. Then I got them beating uh, Virginia as well. I've got Duke winning the East Regional and going to the Final Four. Cool. Want to go West? Go West. Okay, real quick on Nova Duke. Duke has the most top 50 wins of any team in the field. Nova has 15 wins over teams actually in the tournament. That's the most of any in the tournament. So that would be uh, basically the two teams who have the most quality wins. And then if you want to factor in Baylor, by the way, um, Baylor putting them into the Elite Eight, if you've done that, Listen, Baylor's beaten plenty of teams in the field, so they're not giving enough credit, and I picked them to lose. But it's not a crazy pick. Just no one's going to take them over Duke. It's reasonable. As for the West, uh, Gonzaga cruising past South Dakota State. I have Northwestern over Vanderbilt. Um, Vanderbilt's funky, man. I mean, everyone on that team shoots threes. So if they, it's one of those things. Like if Vanderbilt like buries twelve threes and forget it, it is what it is. Tip your hat to them. But I have Northwestern winning. I have Notre Dame over Princeton. I think that can be a fun game. That tips off on Thursday. That's our first game on that afternoon. I think it could be fun. But I think Notre Dame just has just the personnel on the size. I, I like them not easily but comfortably over Princeton. I like West Virginia over Bucknell. I think almost everyone likes West Virginia over Bucknell. I have Xavier over Maryland, and this was a hard one to pick. And given Maryland's ability to play in close games and Mellow Trimble and how good he is, I, I'm not enthusiastic about it, but I, I do like, I still like what Xavier won. They, they tend to play well in the tournament, at least getting a win or so. Drayvon Blewett's played very well. I, this is almost like a coin flip to me, but give me the X there. I have Florida State over Florida Gulf Coast. One interesting note about that game, Florida Gulf Coast is one of the biggest and tallest mid-major teams in the tournament, maybe in general, and Florida State's long and strong. So if you were going to match up really a Florida State team that might deserve to be on the four line with a, with a mid-major that could at least size-wise not be totally run over, you'd want to put them against Florida Gulf Coast. There is upset potential there. I just happen to believe that Florida State has too much talent and will overwhelm Dunk City. I have St. Mary's over VCU. I don't expect that game to be too, too close, even though St. Mary's obviously plays a lower tempo style. I think that they will win without too much 
push from VCU. And then I have Arizona obviously winning easily. I have Arizona over St. Mary's, but I can't emphasize this enough. I think that that game is going to be incredible. I wrote about the six most anticipated possible second-round matchups that we could get for a number of of reasons. I have this on the list. St. Mary's can beat Arizona. They rank higher in Ken Palm. They've got guys who have played together for more than 65 games in terms of a starting five. And Arizona, while looking good and Trier's in, in the fold, it's younger. I just think that this is a decent chance for a seven to beat a two and let's also remember that 19 of the past 20 years there has been a two that has lost before getting to the sweet 16 all four twos almost never make the second weekend that's probably going to happen again when i look at the field i feel like arizona is the most vulnerable but um as we'll soon discover here they're not the only two that i have going out uh, or they're they, i have twos going out early i almost went with them as well but it would have been too many twos losing for my liking. I have Florida State over Xavier. I don't think that one will be close. I think Florida State will overwhelm. I have Notre Dame over West Virginia. That's a tough call. You've got a really good defensive team against a really smart, patient, well-paced, and well-spaced offensive team. Give me the fighting Irish there, made back-to-back Elite Eights. I'll take them to the second weekend. I don't think Gonzaga has any issue with Northwestern. So I have Gonzaga over Notre Dame. I really thought long and hard about taking the Irish here. If That is uh, a potentially really... Really fun game in San Jose in the Sweet 16. Florida State, Arizona. I have Arizona winning there, so you have another 1-2 situation in my bracket. Um, Give me Arizona to the Final Four. Almost feel as though they get a huge scare from St. Mary's, are able to win an okay game against Florida State, maybe get something against Gonzaga, and then they push on through. So I've got the Wildcats. Uh, one of the things I like about the West region, I wrote about this on Sunday night, is that Gonzaga's the one, Arizona's the two, Florida State's the three. And uh, that means, barring a surprise, because usually, I mean... I, I, I know where you're going with this. I agree. Barring a surprise, somebody's going to go to the Final Four for the first time. Either Mark Few yep. or, or uh, Sean Miller or Leonard Hamilton. So that's like sort of a neat story there. Like, um, it's almost set up where... Um, you know, Even if, Bray. Right. I mean, even if Dame broke through, how about Bray that? Would be, how about that? Yep. So, like, what's the six there? Mark Turgeon is the six. Yeah. Randy Bennett is the seven. Chris Collins <laughs> and the, is the, the eight. Then the world ends if Northwestern makes the final four. But yeah. <laughs> uh, Bryce Drew's the nine. Yeah. Will Wade's the ten. Chris <laughs> Max the eleven. Okay, let's keep looking at this. Um, Okay, Mitch basically, Henderson's the 12, yes. Basically, every coach except only for Huggins. Hugs. Is, only Huggins. I, I seriously think that's true, GP. The only, yeah, that is true. I Huggins know. is the only coach in this field, in this quadrant, that's made a Final Four. How about that? Okay, so like, let's just compare that to the East real quick. you got Jay Wright of Villanova. He's obviously made one. Um, you've got... you got Krzyzewski has been there. Yeah, um, that's it, though. Uh, only two there. So there's only mm-hmm. two there, right? Yeah, you're right. Okay, let's yeah. let's go to the Midwest. I'm just interested in this now. Uh, you've got Bill Self. He's been. Larinaga's been. Izzo's yep. been. That's three. Um, yep. That Beeline, is. Beeline's Beeline's been. That's four. Yep. Patino, and five. Patino's five. Right. Yep. Okay. And then in the South, Roy's been. That's one. Um, Mike Davis at Texas Southern has been. Yes, yeah, good call. I would have forgot that one. Mike, yes, Mike, Dav- Mike Davis is two. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, is that Bruce uh, Weber has been, but he's out of the field now. Um, no, he's not. no, he's in the field. Sorry, Wake, <laughs> Wake lost. I was like, did Wake lose? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was oh, like the kid. I was like the Kansas State lose us. I, thought, oh, I swear man. to God, I thought they won. Okay, yeah, so you uh, got Bruce Weber. So okay, you've got Roy, Mike Davis, then you've got Bruce Weber, Greg Marshall, John Calipari. Five. That's five. 
So it's five, five, two, and one in terms of final four coaches in the region. But in the West, if you were going to start listing you know, best coaches who haven't made a final four, Mark Few would be on that list really high, if not right at the top. And Sean Miller would obviously be right at, you know, on that list really high right at the top. Like who is on that list right now? It's- I think those are the two best. On, I honestly, I think those are the two best, most accomplished coaches in college basketball that haven't broken through. Tony Bennett. I would have him right, basically there. Yes, Mark- I would say that he was—he's just a, a smidge below, but yeah, yeah basically. Mike Bray, right there. Yeah, without a doubt. Okay, so it's neat that uh, in that in that West region, um, unless Hug screws the whole thing up, I know <laughs> uh, somebody is going to have an opportunity. And I'm not rooting against Hugs. That's a great story too. Um, but um, I, I do like that um, if the ones and twos, if the one and the two advance. We would have a regional final with two of the uh, two, I think, future Hall of Fame coaches uh, playing for an opportunity to go to their first Final Four. That would be a pretty cool regional final. So Gonzaga, South Dakota State. Uh, I love T.J. Osselberger. I love Mike Dom. I can't imagine how they beat Gonzaga in the round of 64. So Zags go on. I got Northwestern over Vanderbilt. Um, Notre Dame over Princeton. And I think Notre Dame handles that well. I think they're only like a six, seven-point favorite, something like that. I'll take Notre Dame to cover that. I will, in fact, bet my own money on Notre Dame to cover that. Uh, West Virginia over Bucknell. I got Maryland over Xavier. It's interesting, and I wrote a comment about this earlier today. Um, whereas if you look at, you know, everybody would talk, like we spend a lot of time talking about seeds and less time talking about matchups. But, like, if you're Xavier as the 11 seed, how much happier are you to be the 11 seed playing Maryland then Oklahoma State is the 10 seed playing Michigan. Right. I mean, like, like Maryland lost a starter, haven't, hasn't been very good without him, um, hasn't been good lately. Meantime, Michigan's like rolling. They just won the Big Ten tournament. So, like, the column was sort of like, don't get caught up on the seeds as much as get caught up on the matchups. Like, Oklahoma State got a better seed than Xavier, but Xavier got a much better matchup. And it's actually, it works if you sort of zoom out as well to underline a point. Michigan and Oklahoma State, you could argue, were two of the best teams in the country over the past six weeks. Like, like Oklahoma State completely turns the season around. They start 0-6 in the Big 12 and then end up in the NCAA tournament comfortably as an at-large team. Like, Brad Underwood did an excellent job with that team over the past six, seven weeks, whatever. Michigan obviously has turned its team around. I can remember being in studio with uh, Dana Jacobson, who's one of our studio hosts at CBS Sports Network, and she's a Michigan grad. And she was, like, so out on Michigan, like, back in December, early January. Like, she couldn't even, like, she was just like, what? Like, geez, why do they keep losing every game? And you look up, and, like, they're one of the best teams in the country right now. So just the way, and I'm not saying it's intentional, it just happens. But um, just the way the bracket's set up, uh, you look at Maryland Xavier, both those teams have struggled. They both lost starters, and um, they both haven't played well lately. And yet one of them is guaranteed to go to the round of 32. They have to. They're playing each other. Somebody's got to win. Like, like somebody has to win the game. So one of those teams is going to the round of 32. I don't think either of those teams is one of the best 32 teams in the country right now. But one of them is going to the round of 32. Meantime, uh, I think Oklahoma State and Michigan are both top 25 teams right now. But one of them is guaranteed to lose in the round of 64 because they happen to play, be playing each other. It's just a, sort of the way it's, you know, I, I went back and looked at the 2014 NCAA tournament. I don't know if you saw this. Um, but... A great example of this is Conzo Martin, who is now in conversations to be uh, the Missouri coach. We've been talking about that for a while, that 
you know, as soon as they pulled the trigger on Kim Anderson, it was very clear that um, Conzo was going to at least be on the on the on the list of candidates. He appears to be at the top of that list. But like Conzo Martin is by definition a Sweet 16 coach. He's been to a Sweet 16. He's coached in the Sweet 16. That's a big thing for a coach to say. I've been to a Sweet 16. Um, I've been to the second weekend. But you go back and look at what his path was to get to the Sweet 16. Do you remember it? Uh, this is off the top of my head. One in the first four. Uh, is that right? Yep. Beat Iowa. Oh, okay. Um, man, who did they play in that first round? I don't know, but they I'll got walk, it. They, they got a it. break in the second one. I know that. Yeah, I'll walk you through it. So they get placed in the first four. They end up playing Iowa. Iowa had lost six of seven games. And also Fran McCaffrey's son had just been, I believe, diagnosed with cancer. So, uh, uh, understandably, his head was in another place, as it should have been. I, I can imagine what that's like for a parent. I hope I don't ever have to realize what that's like for a parent. But it's just a, it must be the most terrifying thing you could possibly hear. And that is something that Fran, I believe, either they either it was a confirmed cancer or, or it was like they were worried that it might be. But his son was ill. And... So you play an Iowa team whose coach is dealing with that. Also an Iowa team whose team whose coach had uh, an Iowa team who had lost that had lost six of seven games. The one in one in six in their in their previous seven games before they played Tennessee. So uh, Tennessee handles that. Then they get to play a UMass team that had lost three of its past five games. They handle that. And then if you remember, Mercer beat Duke. So to yep. go to the Sweet Sixteen, they had to beat Mercer. So Conzo Martin's path to the Sweet Sixteen was. Uh, a win over a struggling Iowa team, a win over a struggling UMass team, and a win over Mercer. And so it's just a reminder that sometimes your pass, and you probably saw this exchange between me and one of our editors the other day. Um, you know, we were talking about you know the one seeds pass or the roads to the Final Four. And the point I made was like, well, yo, we don't know anybody's road to the Final Four. We can right. look at it and try to guess what we think it might be. But it just takes Mercer beating Duke to open things completely up for you. And, uh, and, and I noticed that in this bracket as well. Like Xavier Maryland is a matchup where those teams, neither one of them are, are as good as their seed, I don't think, right now. Uh, they're both missing a starter. Neither has played well lately. But one of them has got to win the game. And so I think Maryland wins the game. Um, but is Maryland one of the 32 best teams in the country right now? I, I don't think that that's true. Florida State, Florida Gulf Coast, uh, Dunk City would be a remarkable story. I don't think they have the athletes or the length to mess around with uh, Leonard Hamilton's Seminoles. I'll take Florida State. St. Mary's over VCU. I think what we're going to find out about the St. Mary's team is that they're way better than you think they are. Like, everybody looks at them because they lost to Gonzaga three times, and it's like, who'd you beat? And every time we saw you in a big game, you lost. Plus, they got the home loss to Arlington. But, like, what if we find out that everybody would have lost to Gonzaga three times if you had to play Gonzaga three times? <laughs> you know? Like, what if we find yeah. – like, is it is it is it crazy to think St. Mary's might be a top-ten team in the country but doesn't – but hasn't been able to show it because they play in the West Coast Conference and they're not quite as good as the number one team in the country? It or is what, conceivable. Or whatever Gonzaga is. Like, I, I think we could find out – we go – you know, we look up in, I don't know, two weeks and we go, oh, wow. St. Mary's was really good. They just did, they just couldn't show it in their league outside of beating Gonzaga. And, like, well, Gonzaga's great, so they just weren't good enough to beat Gonzaga. Like, like you can – if you lose to – and I know Gonzaga's not ranked number one right now, but, like, they're number one in Kempom. If you lose to the number one team in the country three times, it doesn't mean that you're not the eighth best team in the country. It might just mean you're not the first. 
You know, like it really like, um, so I don't know. I, I just, I have a, uh, I think we're going to find out people are going to say, oh, wow, we, we, we undervalued St. Mary's as a seven seed because they couldn't beat what we found out is the, is the best team in the country, or at the very least what Ken Palm considers to be uh, the best team in the country. I'll take St. Mary's over VCU, and I think they'll win that comfortably. Uh, Arizona over North Dakota, clearly. So then you go Gonzaga over Northwestern. I got Notre Dame over West Virginia. I really like Notre Dame. And uh, this doesn't apply to this game, but I, th- I do think it applies to Princeton. Notre Dame doesn't lose to teams like Princeton. Like, they haven't lost to a team like that all, all year outside of Georgia Tech. Um, and that was a game in Atlanta at the buzzer at a place where North Carolina also lost, Syracuse also lost, um, but at a place uh, Georgia Tech also won at BCU early in the year. So Georgia Tech was capable of beating good teams. They beat Indiana uh, on Tuesday night in the NIT. My point is, like, how many teams in the country, I think, let me look this up, I believe Notre Dame's only loss to a non-NCAA tournament team is the okay. loss to Georgia Tech. And that just, what that says to me is, like, they could obviously beat good teams. They beat Louisville. They beat Florida State. They beat Virginia. Um, but what it tells me is they don't lose to teams they're not supposed to lose to, really. I'm looking at it now. Only one loss outside of the top 20 of the RPI. Notre Dame has nine losses on the season. But the losses are to Villanova, North Carolina, Duke twice, Louisville, Florida State, Virginia, Purdue, and then the one to Georgia Tech. Not only do they not lose to non-NCAA tournament teams, basically every team that they lost to is a is a top six seed in the NCAA tournament. And so uh, the exception, of course, being Georgia Tech, which was a 62-60 loss. So I just don't think Notre Dame has done anything all year long to make me think they're going to lose to a team like Princeton. They don't lose to teams like that. So I'll take them there, and then I'll take them against West Virginia um, just because, I don't know, I, th- I think Mike's done a tremendous job with his team. Bonzi Colson is terrific. He's a little banged up. That's not ideal. Uh, but uh, as long as he's fine, I'll take Notre Dame in a close game against West Virginia. They just seem like the type of team to me that won't get bothered too much uh, by, by Press Virginia. Um, Florida State over Maryland. Uh, if you listen to me for the previous five minutes, you know I'm not that high on Maryland right now. And, and then Arizona over St. Mary's. But uh, it won't shock me if St. Mary's wins that game. I'll take Arizona, but it will not surprise me if St. Mary's somehow figures out a way to beat Arizona. Because uh, I'll, I'll flip this around. Is it possible we're undering, and I'm asking you this, is it possible we're undervaluing um, St. Mary's because they play in the West Coast Conference, no opportunities to get quality wins outside of games against Gonzaga, and they just weren't good enough to beat Gonzaga because Gonzaga's great. Like, if we agree that that might be reality, what about this? What about the flip side? Are we overvaluing UCLA, Arizona, and Oregon because they're 88 and 13 combined records, something like that? How much of that is – are we sure they're great <laughs> or or is it like they just beat up on bad Pac-12 teams all year long? Uh, well, I mean, UCLA, I think, has shown with some road wins. Um, Arizona in the way that it won the Pac-12 tournament. What did those uh, teams do against – any, like I know UCLA won at Kentucky, and that's magnificent. But what did those teams do outside of? And Arizona, I mean, yeah. I know, um, but like, what? Here's here's my point. What did Oregon, Arizona, and UCLA do outside of each other? I get I get what you're saying, and I I'm not like Oregon. I think is where it should be. It's a three seed. People aren't 
all in on Oregon as, you know, even flirting with the Elite Eight because they lost Chris Boucher. So at this point... Okay, Oregon, Oregon literally beat nobody outside of the league. Their best win outside of the league is Valpo. All right? So now let's look at what Arizona did outside of the league. Arizona's best win outside of the league is Michigan State. 65-63, first game of the season. And UCLA obviously has got the Kentucky win. But, like, Kentucky's been vulnerable all year. Like, even on this lengthy winning streak they're on, they're, they're not, like, destroying people, really. Um, they've been in close games. I, listen, I got UCLA winning the national championship. I've got Arizona in the Elite Eight. So I, I, I know where I fall on this. But I'm just – it's one of those things, like, there's always things that happen, whether it's in the bowl season of college football or, or in the NCAA tournament – where it makes you look back and go, ugh, we should have seen this coming. Or, oh, yeah, I can sort of see how that happened. I wonder if one of the things we might be saying in two weeks is, man, those Pac-12 teams, they weren't that great. They looked great because they won all those games, but they really didn't do anything except beat each other and bad Pac-12 teams. I'm just saying, if if they all go out early, there will be something that would have uh, suggested that was possible uh, that 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 it was it was maybe on the table, but it's not anything anybody's talking about right now, because they really haven't done anything except beat each other. All right, so you got Gonzaga coming out of the region. Acknowledge that I just made a great point about the Pac-12. You did make you did make a great point, but I do have UCLA yeah. winning the national championship anyway. So what do I got? I got Gonzaga and Arizona in the Elite Eight. Okay, and then I got Gonzaga. I got Mark Few making his first Final Four. And again, perhaps that's uh, a bit of bias uh, seeping in. I just hate every year. And it doesn't mean I like Mark more than I like Sean or anything like that. Um, it just means that I get so sick every year of trying to defend Gonzaga or argue in favor of Gonzaga when people come back. And it's, it's, a, you know, it's, it's, it's a fact. Well, Gonzaga's never been to a Final Four. Stop telling me they're going to go to a Final Four. You rate Gonzaga number one in the country every year. They never actually are the best team in the country. I just get tired of the conversations. I know Gonzaga's never made a Final Four, but that doesn't mean they haven't been good enough to make a Final Four. It just hasn't happened. And so for if for no other reason than selfish reasons, um, I would uh, so I can avoid these arguments going forward, I would like to see Gonzaga make the Final Four. But to be clear, Gonzaga-Arizona in the Elite Eight, total toss-up game, right? I mean, just a total, yeah. like a total coin flip of a game. It is. Let's curl to the south. North, North Carolina over Texas Southern, obviously. I have Seton Hall over Arkansas. Seton Hall has Angel Delgado and Kadeem Carrington. Um, much more in on their ability in that game. I'm convinced that whoever I pick will be the wrong one, but I have the Pirates. I have Middle Tennessee without hesitation. From the second I saw that game, I was all in. In my opinion, the uh, Gophers are a 7, and Middle Tennessee is an 8. So that's barely even an upset. And in fact, I think Middle Tennessee is now favored in uh, some books by a point. I have Butler over Winthrop, um, and that might be interesting, but give me Butler. I have Cincinnati over Kansas State. Cincinnati, it's the best team Cronin's ever had. They can actually score there. I don't have too much hesitation. I have UCLA over Kent State. Uh, no one's giving Rob Senderhoff's team any sort of chance. I understand that. Um, yeah, there's a reason for that, Norlin. I know, I know, I know. But you know what I was saying? I said this on the Will Each's podcast. I think that there is always a game every year where we just kind of like breeze by it and just don't think that. And then it's when those games actually come to be, and those are the upsets. That's what make the first week so much fun. I also think that, by the way, I I, I feel like on Twitter, you seemed a little more excited about being on Will Leach's podcast than this podcast. 
Well, Willie just let me talk more, so that's why. It made, um, me, a little, Dave, it made me a little jealous. I'm, I'm just dude, being honest Dude, it's, I do two podcasts a year with him. I do like 60 with you. Okay? I know. You, but know, you, but you know you're my one true love. It didn't, you feel, know it didn't feel that way. You were like, oh, I'm on, I'm on a podcast with Will Leach. Look at my Will uh, Leach It seemed podcast. like you were pretty damn excited to be on Sam Vecini's podcast, actually, if we're going to get real here, okay? So went, it seemed I, like you were pretty pumped. I went on Sam Vecini's podcast and just over, just talked all over him. Like old like, sure like, like times. I'm sure you totally stepped on him. I, 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 start, I started hosting his podcast. I even did the live reads. I did the CQ cap for him. Um, I have Wichita State. That's so funny. I have Wichita State over Dayton. Um, I, I'm that, That's a stubborn pick as much as I believe that it's going to happen. But Dayton obviously can win that game. Archie Miller is a really good coach. They are capable. But I do have Wichita State. I have Kentucky over Northern Kentucky. Let's see if uh, those – uh, NKU guys have any sort of uh, real fight and spirit going against obviously the big boys in that state. I have Carolina over Seton Hall. I think UNC will trounce to the Sweet 16. I have Butler over Middle Tennessee, although I did I did think that maybe uh, Blue Raiders might get through on to the second weekend, but I'll take Chris Holtman and his team. Uh, again, th- that team's variance is so weird. I mean, they could lose to Winthrop by eight points or they could get to the title game. They've, they've proven both this year. They're almost the opposite of Notre Dame in that Notre Dame doesn't have any bad losses. Well, Butler has bad ones. They have also have really good wins on the road and at home. I have UCLA over Cincinnati. I do think that game will be closer than people think it will be if it happens. But give me the Bruins. I do have the Shockers over Kentucky. Now, Kentucky is on an 11-game winning streak. It's the longest winning streak the program's had since they went to the title or the final four, I should say, as an undefeated team, but they've gotten down early in games. Um, they've looked good, don't get me wrong, but I don't see them as being super sharp right now. And Wichita State, I, I almost feel like this will uh, come full circle from three years ago. And then the Shockers in the reverse role, they get the win over the Wildcats. I do have Lonzo and Co. beating Greg Marshall's team uh, at UCLA. And then, real quick, it could be funky as if. Crean leaves Indiana. Alfred goes to Indiana. Marshall might coach UCLA. I could totally see those dominoes falling. It would be interesting if they faced each other in the Sweet 16. Uh, but I do have the Bruins getting through. I have North Carolina not having too much problems with Butler. So it's heels Bruins for me. And I do have the Bruins because on a neutral, gun to my head, if those teams played, I would take UCLA. I just like them a little bit better than Carolina Bruins in the Final Four. Yeah, um, that was an interesting little coaching domino thing you had there. I, and, I, you know, Crean, if he were to be out, and we're going to get to that in just one second, uh, Alfred to Indiana and uh, Marshall to UCLA would be something. Um, I, this is just my opinion. Nobody's ever told me this. Um, I think UCLA could have had Marshall when they hired Alfred if they would have just waited. But they were not interested in waiting for him to get through. That was the year Wichita State went to the Final Four. And I know Greg wasn't interested in talking to anybody until that season was actually over. But if they would have been patient and put the contract in front of Greg that they put in front of Steve, they, uh, I believe that Greg Marshall would be coaching UCLA right now. So if they needed a new coach and they took a serious run at him, and they were willing to pay, they have to pay. He's not going to take a pay cut. Not to move. You don't take a pay cut to move to L.A. from Wichita. Um, but if they're willing to give him a raise, and uh, I, I think that is one that he would have to – seriously seriously consider i'll run through this real quick uh carolina over texas southern obviously i got seton hall over arkansas arkansas like mike anderson did a good job to get this team back to the NCAA tournament but i don't think they've ever been great all year long um i'll go seton hall there minnesota over butler a little bit of an upset right yeah 
Um, yeah, yeah, because I've got I got Minnesota over Middle Tennessee, then I got Butler over Winthrop, then I got Minnesota over Butler, Cincinnati over Kansas State, UCLA over Kent State, Dayton uh, losing to Wichita State, and then Kentucky, of course, getting back past Northern Kentucky. Kentucky over Wichita State, but that's a coin flip. I could see it going anyway. I got UCLA over Cincinnati. I've already told you Butler over Minnesota, Carolina over Seton Hall. Got Carolina going past Butler. I think Carolina's got a pretty manageable path to the Elite Eight. I don't see them having any problems before they get to the Elite Eight. And I've got North Carolina over U- – I mean, I've got North Carolina and UCLA in the Elite Eight. I've got UCLA winning that game. Um, but, like, I, I think Kentucky, UCLA, Carolina all got an equal opportunity to win that regional. And if I'm Carolina or UCLA, I'm rooting for Wichita State to uh, knock off Kentucky. Because if Kentucky is in Memphis, it's going to be a massive home court advantage for John Calipari's Wildcats. I would want to avoid that if I were UCLA or to Carolina. So if I'm one of those teams, I'm rooting for Wichita State. Not because I think Kentucky is obviously better than Wichita State, but because I don't want to deal with 16,000 Kentucky fans inside FedEx Forum. But I got UCLA beating North Carolina in the Elite Eight. Um, Total toss-up game, but uh, I just I picked UCLA to be my national champion, so I got to pick them to win that game as well. All right, Midwest. I have Kansas, obviously. I have, uh, wow, my bracket says Miami, but I, yeah, because I won the coin toss. That's right. I almost want to go Michigan State there, but whatever. Miami, I have Iowa State over Nevada. That could be a fantastic game, by the way. I have Purdue over Vermont. My hometown Catamounts might have a shot, but I am too big a believer in Swanigan and those guards. I have Rhode Island over Creighton. So many people have Rhode Island over Creighton. Why does everyone have Rhode Island over Creighton? It makes me want to change my pick to the Blue Jays. I still might do that before the night's over, uh, which would totally just mess up my bracket. I have Oregon over Iona without too much issue. I have Oklahoma State beating Michigan in a fantastic game. Big believer in Jawan Evans. Michigan's been a great story. Obviously could win and continue that story. I'm just taking Brad Underwood um, and company. Louisville, no problem with Jacksonville State. <coughs> Curling back up, I have Oklahoma State over Louisville. And, the, and so I have t- I have both uh, the Blue Bloods in Kentucky going down as two seeds in the second round. Let's Why not just have a little bit of fun there? And that would obviously be great offense against great defense there. Oklahoma State, I think, has been better than people realize. They do have a tough draw with Michigan. It would be hard to beat Louisville. Sometimes these magical things happen. Brad Underwood, Oklahoma State's coach, obviously was at Stephen F. Austin, just knocked on the door of making the Sweet 16 last year and could not get over the hump against Notre Dame. Wouldn't it be something if he did it in his first year with the Cowboys? I have Rhode Island over Oregon. Those are the two best shot-blocking teams in all of college basketball. Could wind up facing off. Obviously, Oregon doesn't have its expert swatter, Chris Boucher, anymore. Rhode Island's got great talent, and I, I'm a full believer in that talent. But again, that's a very popular Sweet 16 pick, so I'm now wary. Um, Kansas over Miami, and I have Purdue over Iowa State. That felt like a 50-50 to me. I'll take the Jayhawks to get to the Elite Eight. I'll take Rhode Island to get past Oklahoma State. And now it would be Kansas-Rhode Island. I am pretty certain that is a rematch of when Rhode Island got to the Elite Eight in 1998 with Catino Mobley and um, Tyson Wheeler. I have the Jayhawks getting there. I'll pass this off to UGP. Kansas has been a number one seed six previous times under Bill Self. Only one of those times as a one seed have they made the Final Four. So if they do it, they will be two for seven. But that stat, when I saw it earlier this week, a little bit surprising. Regardless, I will take the Jayhawks. That is the knock on Bill Self. I mean, there aren't many places you can you can uh, bang on him, but that is the place that the Bill Self critics come uh, come at most uh, um, 
consistently. Like, okay, good. He's a great regular season coach. He wins all those Big 12 titles. But tell me about the Final Fours. Tell me about the national championships. And um, it's an easy thing to, to push aside if it's like, hey, okay, he's only been to, uh, what is it now, two Final Fours? He's been to two? Okay, he's been to, yeah. he's been to two Final Fours. But, like, well, when you've been a six, when you've been a one seed six different times, uh, like you, you probably should have been gotten there more than twice. And in reality, one of the and you just pointed this out, one of the times he did get there, it wasn't when he was actually a one seed. Uh, I got Kansas winning his first game easily. I'll take Miami over Michigan State. I just think Izzo did everything he could possibly do to even get this team to the NCAA tournament. I don't see them getting past Miami, but. Uh, obviously they could. Uh, Nevada over Iowa State, just doing it to pick an upset. I like that Nevada team. You know, I, I try to, when I'm picking upsets in a bracket, find teams that I think are obviously better than their seeds, even if they're not obviously better than the team they're playing. I, I don't know that Nevada's better than Iowa State. Iowa State's obviously playing really well as well. We're talking about a Mountain West Conference tournament title uh, winner against a Big 12 tournament title winner. But um, I do think Nevada's better than a 12 seed, so I'll take Nevada over Iowa State. Purdue over Vermont. Rhode Island over Creighton, uh, Oregon over Iona, uh, Michigan over Oklahoma State, but that's a coin flip game. It could go either way. Louisville over Jackson State. Then I've got Louisville past Michigan. I got Rhode Island getting past Oregon. No Chris Boucher. And yeah, no Chris- everyone's got this. I know. Oh, this well, but, is not making me feel good. Well, the, thing, right. the thing you have to remember about, or- about Rhode Island is um, that's a preseason top 25 team. And they haven't been a top 25 team this year, mostly. Because they banged up and they just like lost some games that they weren't supposed to, whatever. But now they're playing well. They're on an eight-game winning streak. They're completely healthy. Uh, EC Matthews is a possible NBA guy. Karan Iverson's a former top 50 recruit. Like that Rhode Island team is talented and good and playing well. So if you're looking for an 11 seed to, to bounce into the Sweet 16, that's a good place to go. I've got them beating Oregon in the round of 32. Purdue passed Nevada. Kansas passed Miami. I got Kansas over Purdue. I got Louisville. Oh, well, real quick, real quick. So if that happens, Kansas, Purdue, we do not decide our player of the year until the week of the final four. Ooh, the, that would that, be great, wouldn't that, it? Right. Mason Swanigan. So that could go down and that it could it could influence the decision. How about that? I didn't even recognize that. I've been living in this bracket for like three straight days. That would be perfect. I, I would love to have Kansas, Purdue in the uh, Sweet 16 because I don't know that that would decide the national player of the year, but it would certainly um, – it would have a role in it, uh, undeniably. Uh, I got Kansas getting past Purdue. I've got Louisville past Rhode Island. I got Kansas um, over Louisville. Kansas going to the Final Four, and then in my Final Four, I've got Duke getting past Gonzaga. I've got UCLA beating Kansas, and then I've got a UCLA Duke national championship game with Lonzo Ball and Lavar Ball sharing the national championship. And I've got Kansas over Duke. We'll see. There's a stat out there that no team that lost its first conference tournament game has ever won the national title. I don't know if that actually means anything. I think that's uh, one of those things that's true, but totally yeah. like uh, meaningless. Yeah, I know. Okay. Well, we we will uh, we shall see. Um, do you want a really quick? I'm in a hard out. I mean, full transparency here. <laughs> like, I gotta get down to my. I gotta get down to my son. My wife is working from home because of the snow day, but she is on a call. And uh, oh wait, she just texted me. She's downstairs. He's he's watching one of his shows right now. So I think we got like three minutes. If you want to hit on the Indiana stuff real yeah, quick. Yeah, just really quickly. So Indiana lost uh, Tuesday night at Georgia Tech. It's the end of a season, and there's a lot of speculation that there could be a move uh, at Indiana, whether they just pull the trigger on Tom or um, if he were to take another job. Uh, I'll make this easy for you. You're the Indiana athletic director. What do you do? Would you If, if, you, if Tom Crean wasn't going to leave on his own, 
what do you do? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now the buyout drops to one million on July one, but there are stipulations within the contract. If he takes another job, Indiana's not on the hook for all that money. Um, then the question is, well, will Tom Crean get another job right now this year? Would it happen? Um, I can't answer that. Uh, and I can't answer if Crean would want to immediately go and take another job or if he'd want to sit a year. If I was the Indiana athletic director, as bluntly as I can put this, if I am confident that we have the money and the ability to hire one of the top three guys on my list, and if that list would include Marshall or Archie or would be a good third candidate. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. That would be like a legitimate Indiana candidate. Steve Alford. Yeah, that's the third one for certainly, certainly the third one. Um, if I can get one of those guys and it's because, you know, the details matter in these situations. It's not just, okay, we're going to go get, no, there are so many things that go into this. If I know, if I know, no, no, that I can get a top three candidate, then I do it. If I don't have that certainty, I mean, <laughs> Tom Crean has not been a bad coach at Indiana. That's also important. So, uh, my answer is yes. If I know if I can get it, if I don't have certainty top three, then I wait another year. Uh, I, I guess I would say this. I think you could get one of those coaches. Uh, if you were, if you put the money on the table, I think you could get like, I think if Indiana wanted to hire Greg Marshall, I think they could hire Greg Marshall. They'd have to pay. Like you'd have to make it 3.5 million. But if you're willing to do that, I think you could get Greg Marshall. I think you could probably get Archie Miller as well. Um, and I would assume you could get offered. I don't know. I don't. I think his buyout's crazy at UCLA because I remember writing a column about it once upon a time. It is. It's like more than seven million. I think. Yeah, there ain't no way I'm paying seven million dollars to buy out Steve Alford, right? I mean, I like Steve. I but agree. I, I agree. That's why these. <laughs> that's why the details matter. Right. I mean, I've... Yeah. So um, I think you could get one of them. Here's what I would. Here's what I would say. If I were Indiana, I wouldn't fire Tom Crean. Uh, I would want to know if he's. You know, they could bring back their whole team. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, the OG situation with the draft is interesting. Yeah, I mean, they could. Like, Thomas could enter the draft. Thomas Bryant, OG, I don't know if he could enter the Thomas draft. Thomas could go, yeah. But, like, I mean, but like if, yeah. if everybody came back to school, Indiana would be a top 15 preseason team, wouldn't they? I mean, when healthy. Yeah, I think when, so. When healthy, they beat two number one seats. I mean, that's a fact. When they were healthy, they beat two number one seats. Now, I'm not saying that uh, their season yeah. went in the tank simply because OG got hurt. But um, when they were healthy, they beat two number one seeds. So I, I think really if I'm Tom, I'm trying to figure out um, who's coming back. And that would probably uh, help make me a decision about whether to try to leave or stay. But if I were Indiana, I think I would keep him. I know it's ugly. I think they'd be better off without each other. But I don't know that I'd pay $4 million to get rid of a coach who might have a preseason top 15 team uh, next year. Particularly a coach who has already won two outright uh, Big Ten titles in the past five years. Done it with different rosters. That suggests... He's good. He didn't just luck into a Big Ten tournament, uh, I mean a Big Ten title. He won it twice with different rosters. And so um, if I'm Indiana, I think I keep him. And, uh, but if I'm Tom, I'm definitely keeping my ears open just because I think it's always wise to keep your ears open. And remember, you can subscribe to the Island College Basketball Podcast on iTunes. That's the best way to get the latest episodes as quickly as possible. So please do that. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you again on Friday. Till then, take care.